Thank you for joining Holy Spirit Living, the podcast that encourages and equips believers to live each moment intentionally to bring glory to God and build His kingdom. We're in a season of Lent. We're in a season of taking time, growing closer to the Lord. Last week we talked about John the Baptist coming in and baptizing Jesus and preparing a way for Him. I believe that the temptation of Jesus is something that we should really dissect and and look at the three temptations that the devil came and, and tried to lay in front of him. Let's go into Matthew 4, verse 1. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter, the devil, came in and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and he said, It is written that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This is how I fight my battles. Amen? And then the devil took him to the holy city and he had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. We see a battle going on. Jesus is saying, This is how I fight my battles. Amen? And again the devil took him to a very high mountain, and he showed him the, all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you. If you fall down and you worship me. And then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan. This is how I fight my battles. It is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And guess what? Jesus won his battle. Because then the devil left him. And behold, the angels came and began to minister to him. Obviously, in chapter 3, we've seen that John the Baptist had come out of the wilderness, right? And preaching the baptism of repentance. We talked about that last week. And the advent of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand. And in the baptism of Jesus, John's mission was fulfilled. He was the long-forward Messiah. Matthew eleven three, And said to him, Are you the expected one, or shall we look for someone else? That's John saying that. Are you the one... Or should we look for someone else? Here was the Messiah, sealed by the descent of the Spirit in a divine spot. Matthew 3.17 And behold, a voice out of the heavens, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Let's put the stamp on it. Let's get the notary public in here and just stamp it. He's like, this is my Son, whom I'm well pleased. Here at last was the bringing of God's new kingdom. Looked for by the prophets and the martyrs of the Old Testament, of old Israel. The hopes, the expectations, the desires, the longings, the countless years of waiting for the Messiah to come. It finally came into the focus through this man, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This was no ordinary moment, but what more precisely was his vocation and his kingdom? It was a spot where it was saying, hey, this is being made clear. This is the Messiah. This is our Lord and Savior. This is the one that's coming in. But then we see that Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. And there in the wilderness, an explanation comes. God's kingdom, the age-long conflict between good and evil, 
light exposed in the darkness. And in this moment, it's fully explained. It's fully explained. Everything's getting exposed right here. In general, the things of the darkness are being opened up. The things that was obscured and confused, muddled, is finally exposed. We finally see something good. In the clear simplicity of the desert, he's out in the desert. There's nothing there. It's simple. He's in a place of isolation. And we see the clear ministry of Jesus coming in. You know, he's away from all the familiar distractions. Sometimes we get into these spots where we're just quiet. And then the enemy comes in and he wants to start to whisper to us. A lot of times, the revelation comes in a place of solitude. And then the enemy starts to come in and whisper. And we need to know how to fight our battles. We need to know where to go for the Word of God. My people will perish by the lack of knowledge. Not knowing what I have for them. Could you imagine if Jesus was in that desert and had no clue? And he says, all right, I'm going to jump off this cliff. But Jesus was a little bit smarter than that. Actually, a lot smarter than that. You know, the temptation of Jesus, the nature and the forms of conflict are made clear. The first temptation, he's tempted to turn stones into bread. The devil wants him to turn the divine power, his divine power, into essentially worldly ends. He's like, I want you to turn these stones into bread. I want you to release your divine power and make it worldly. How many times does the enemy come into us and want to strip us from our identity of what God created us for and make it more for His purpose? God has created us in His image, but yet the enemy is constantly there trying to strip it away from us. And this is what he was doing here. He's taking the divine power of God and saying, hey, why don't you turn these rocks into bread? And what would have happened if he would have fulfilled that mission? What he's doing is he's testing them to satisfy the demands of his senses. You're hungry? Turn the rocks into bread. You're thirsty? Go and grab a beer. You're sexually deprived? Go and find someone to fulfill that for you. He's touching on the senses of Jesus. He's hungry right now. And he's saying, you know what? I want to take your divine power to be able to sustain from this. And I want you to turn the rocks into bread so we can fulfill those senses that you have. Does he do that to us? You have the power of God living inside of you. If you take captive your thoughts and place it on things above and not things here on earth, You'll walk things out a little bit differently than the way that you would if you was just in the world. What happens is light's being exposed in the darkness. You're saying, hey, I don't need this stuff that's going to defile me or defile my relationship with Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you, okay, I feel like I need to go out and hang out with my friends and party tonight. And then I get drunk a little bit and the next morning, guess what? I'm on my knees repenting. Hopefully you're there. Hopefully you just don't get up and say, Ooh, that was a heck of a night. Maybe what are we doing tonight? Hopefully you're at a point where you drop to your knees right beside your bed and you say, Lord, uh, forgive me. Forgive me. For I know not what I do. He's taking your ability to think like God and put it into a worldly mindset. A carnal mindset. A, a way of the world. We need to take notes on what Jesus is doing here. You know, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with being hungry. Or wanting to eat, but the temptation lies in seeing the satisfaction as the purpose. You know, the reason. Why are you doing this? He's saying this is a satisfaction vocation, my job, this 
what I'm here for. What you're here for is not for your senses, but for your kingdom, for the kingdom mindset. The kingdom of God does not consist of eating and drinking. Everything that we do should not take us off of our focus of who God is. And a lot of times we do stuff and it totally distracts us. Distracts our purpose, distracts our calling, distracts what we was created for, distracts our image. You was created for bigger and better things than sometimes what we fall victim to. There's so many people running around with an orphan mindset, not really realizing what the king has for them. Once you become my child, everything that I have is yours. Your heirs to what I have. I don't know if you listened to the podcast that we have, but we talked about the Christmas tree and the presents being under the tree. I went to my grandma and grandpa's for Christmas. All the presents are there. You go and you snoop up and you're thinking, hey, which one's mine? Because at home, you pretty much know that most of them are yours or your siblings. But, but here you go and you look and you see, oh, this package is mine. You know, it's the one with the red ribbon on it, and it's got Snoopy on the, the paper. And then comes time to open the gifts. And your grandpa gets down there, and he's looking at the one with the red ribbon and the Snoopy, and he's like, I really can't read this one. And you're, as a kid, you're excited. You're like, that's my gift. I, I see my name on that gift. And after so much of my grandpa doing that, come on, give my gift, grandpa. That's how God is with us. I got a gift for you. I just want you to grab it. I just want you to get it. It's for you. But I want you to come and grab it. The other thing that I said was when we was at my mom's, my mom always stuck an envelope up in the tree. And the envelope would be a savings bond or a $2 bill or, or something that was usually more valuable than what was under the tree. It was what was on the tree. When we walk through this life, the most valuable thing that we have to us is on the tree. The gifts are awesome, but the gift is the most precious thing that we could have been given. Get that. What's on the tree so much more important. Man doesn't live off of bread alone, but by the whole Word of God. The second temptation was the test. It's the tempt, which really means the test of divine powers. If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. It's the temptation of measure, the divine power, the control to manipulate the divine spirit. It's the temptation to try to have God under control. Think about that. If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. It's the temptation of having divine power. We think that this is always how it has to be, and we're not willing to let God lead us, or Holy Spirit lead us in the direction we need to go. Jesus came to save us, not to condemn us. John 3, 17. And He comes, and when He goes, He says, I'm going to leave you with a comforter. I'm going to leave you with a teacher. I'm going to leave you with the Holy Spirit. And once we confessed with our mouth and believed in our hearts, Holy Spirit come upon us. And Holy Spirit starts to direct us. Not our carnal knowledge or our carnal wisdom or the way we think everything should go, but the way that God wants it to go. So you listen to the Holy Spirit. If it's godly, you're going to know which direction He's leading you. Once your eyes are open... You can start to see more clearer in the direction that the Holy Spirit's going to take you. You'll start to say, wow, why would I even want to do that? That's not in my nature. Your nature's new now. You became a new creature in Christ. The old is gone. So now all of a sudden things are going to seem different than the way you used to live, the way you used to do things. You start to realize that you're not God, but God lives inside of you. If thou be the Son of God, then cast thyself down. 
trying to keep God under control. But God's kingdom and its miracles have nothing to do with God for human purposes. Miracles of God's kingdom have a quite another character and a purpose in this. Thou shalt not test the Lord thy God. The third temptation is probably the most fundamental temptation. It's the root of all the other temptations. It's the temptation of Adam to be as God. It's the temptation to see one's finite self in the place of God. To be oneself the absolute measure of everything. It's really to worship the devil. Here's what the devil says. He says, all these things I will give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. It's an illusion. An illusion of pride and ambition. It's untrue. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. And then the devil leaveth him. When we say, you know what, this is all I'm going to serve. All I'm going to serve is God. The devil will leave. I guarantee you, the devil will leave. He says, submit your ways to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee. So everything that I do is a submission to God. And guess what? The enemy has to leave. It's throughout the Word of God. Right here in the temptation. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him alone shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him. Submit to God in all His ways. Resist the devil and he will flee. People will say, resist the devil and he will flee. But the first part is, submit to God in all His ways. Once you submit to God in all His ways, resist the devil, resist the temptations of whatever the enemy has to throw at you, and eventually, he'll be gone. He could be gone instantaneously. But if it don't happen instantaneously, continue to work it. Continue to walk it out. Continue to submit to God. And continue to resist the enemy. When I started submitting my ways to God and resisting the devil... He cleaned up my vocabulary to the point where I get around somebody else and they'll curse and apologize because the light that's shining out of me is causing the darkness to want to flee. The devil leaveth. That's to say that the devil is unmasked. He's gone. It's an illusion. The illusions are revealed when the enemy leaves. There are the times when the temptation of the devil is totally exposed by the God. Once they're all unmasked, they're really nothing. They're observed. They're evil. Once we have light shown on the devil and his ploys, we start to realize how ridiculous they are. And you're going to start to see that. The more that the light's exposed in the darkness, you'll see, when you start to see the ploys of the enemy, there's all kinds of things that he's doing. There's a great capacity of blindness and self-deception that happens until all of a sudden we're exposed and, we, we, and God opens our eyes and we start to see things. We need to continue to pray that the Lord opens our eyes to allow us to see things. We see Matthew. Matthew tells Jesus, why do you speak in parables? And Jesus says, not everyone's ready to receive what I have for them. When we get to a point where we can start to see things that we didn't see before, we can start giving praise like, thank you, Jesus, for opening my heart up, for changing my heart of stone and, and making it soft, making it a soil that I can receive and be able to see differently than the way I used to see. Once we know things, then we're accountable for things. Once God reveals it to us, the Word of God says, now you're accountable to it. So if you don't think that you're going to be able to be accountable to what you're going to do or say or, or whatever, He's probably going to leave your hard heart on that spot and keep your eyes closed on that. But then once He starts to reveal it, praise God for that. Because He's trusting you that you're going to be a good steward with what He's showing you and what He's given you. And you're going to be able to walk whatever it is that He's showing you out. 
And I'm not saying that if he shows it to you that tomorrow you're going to be instantly cured of it. Whatever your vice is right now, if God's working on you. Behold, the angels came and ministered unto him. See, with the temptations dispelled, once Jesus opened it up and let him see, Jesus is free, and now his vocation, his mission starts to happen. Sometimes we get into a spot where we have to be freed from some of the junk. The angels came and they started ministering to him. Are the angels ministering to you right now? Are you feeling the Spirit trying to tug you in a direction? Let's clean this up. Let's get you going in this direction. Let's get you going here or there. You know, I really believe that's what happened with Jesus. Now all the temptations, everything happened, and now here the angels come and minister to him. Say, all right, let's start your ministry now. Let's start your vocation. Let's start your mission. Let's put you in a, a perspective that's right. And the angels did that. The justice of God's universe will serve them. The angels will come and they'll minister to us. The Holy Spirit will minister to us. See, these temptations of Jesus represent the essential forms of temptation, all temptations. And there are our temptations. See, in this season of Lent, I would pray that you're led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. The point is that we should be free from the illusions. We should be free from the darkness. We should be free from the distractions. We should be in a spot where the kind of wilderness we have is, is a certain quietness, a stillness, to draw us closer to God. It seems that the, the world just keeps going faster and faster. Fast, fast. I really believe it's a ploy from the enemy to keep us distracted. There's so much information. There's so much information coming in. I don't have time to scroll through all that. That's just a ploy from the enemy to keep me so busy. But most of it's just junk. Making us feel like we got to do this or we got to do that. The noise, the activities everywhere, right? They're, oh, I got to work. I got to make this money. I got to have this car. I got to have this house. I got to... Why? Make so much confusion on us. Thinking that something's important, it's really not important. And Rick Warren said that if you have the opportunity to lay on your deathbed, you're not going to be asking for the trophies that you work so hard for, your soccer trophies, your football trophies, your tumbling trophies, your whatever trophy. When it comes time for me to pass away, I pray that I'm able to say goodbye to my family by having them around my bedside. I pray that I build a relationship with them right now that's strong enough to make them want to come to my bedside. You know, so many times the enemy will get us so busy doing other things and not cherishing the relationships that we have sitting right in front of us. We need to cherish those. They're important. Our relationship with Christ is important. It's 40 days of Lent. Take time to really establish that relationship with Christ. And He makes everything else a lot easier. When He starts opening your eyes up and you can start seeing the stuff that the enemy's using to, to distract you and to take you away from other situations that could be more productive for the kingdom. And the only way you're going to do that is get closer to Christ. The wilderness is necessary for clarifying of the Spirit. We've got to turn off the noise for a bit. We've got to shun the continual distractions for a while. We've got to get into a spot where we're with Him. You know, ancient Christian hermits, they called them desert fathers. They had a point that they claimed that the real battle of the Spirit, the real confrontations with our devils take place in the quiet isolation. Link calls us to prepare and participate in that. At least in some small way, we should take a flight to the desert. Try to see ourselves clearly and undistracted in the light of God. Allow Him to identify our illusions 
and set us free. Well, allow us to know the truth so the truth can set us free. It might be impractical, perhaps, but in some sense, there is a, a way you can be practical about it. And think about the Word of God. It says, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall man give in exchange for his soul? What does it profit a man to gain a six-figure income but lose his soul? What does it gain a man? This is a season to grow closer to him. Give up something. Give up the pride. Give up our selfishness. Give up the stuff that could possibly be destroying us. We need to be able to see clearer. Paul says, we receive grace of God in vain. To understand that God has something good for us, and we just don't acknowledge it and don't grab onto it because we replace it with all the other temptations that the devil has for us. We do it all in vain. 1 John 2.15 Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of this world. And the world passes away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of the Father, of God, abides forever. The world passes away. My money passes away. The things of this world passes away. But the one who does the will of the Father will last forever. There's eternal life. There is heaven, okay? And there is hell. And you could be living in it right now. This could be the only hell that you ever see if you've accepted Christ. We have the opportunity right now to bring heaven to earth as believers we haven't really put Christ in our heart, desired a relationship with Him, this could be the closest thing to heaven we ever see. What you believe in your heart is going to come out in your actions. Not in your words, but in your actions. Anybody can say, I believe, but it's my actions. So where are you at in this season of Lent? Are you taking time to say, you know what, I want some alone time with you, Father. I want to rid the temptation, the distractions that the enemy has for me. And I just want to build on that relationship. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast channel and like us on all of our social media pages at Holy Spirit Living. We encourage you to look for the gold in others today. Be blessed, but better yet, be a blessing.